Hello there and welcome once again to my podcast. <laughs> hey everybody, how you doing? Um, August 14th already. It means in 14 days is my birthday. And August I always like to take and consider my month. August is my month. So here's what we're going to do for my month. We're going to start thinking about some of the people that are heroes to me, some of the people that I look up to, some of the people that I uh, want to talk about here. Because, you know, it's to me always something that uh, I want to raise money for causes. You know, I do things for... The Old Growth Force, the Old Growth Force Network, and I enjoy it. I, I'm going to probably raise money for that this year. I love doing that. And this all sort of ties in together here real well. I want to think about a friend of mine just recently passed away. You know, it winds up being my... My uncle, his wife's sister's husband. And I always knew the guy and liked him. He was a lot of fun to be around. Uh, Earl Beeman. If you knew Earl, you knew you were going to have a good time when he was around. He was, a, he was a very great, loving husband. They have a daughter that has... Uh, Primordial dwarfism, and uh, I, I just saw him like a few months ago. I, I didn't go to the fireman's dinner for the past year before. The year before that, I almost won a thousand dollars. I won actually two hundred and fifty because we split. And how it works? I should back up a bit. When my grandmother was alive, how it works is you pay 25 to $30 for a ticket. It's gone up. I think it's 30 now. And you get a meal. You play different games. There's tickets. There's open bar. There's a good meal. And then your ticket, you're on your ticket you buy, uh, if you're the last person, you win $1,000. So there's other things you can win as well. And I'm usually pretty successful at it. But I don't go there to win anything, and I obviously don't go there to drink or... I mean, I love the meal. They got roast beef, and they got these noodles that are just... Oh, my God. I've been going there like 15 years, I want to say. And I started going because my grandmother would get a ticket, and she couldn't be around people that were smoking. So I would go and honor her ticket. I've been going ever since. <laughs> when I look at Jennerstown, Pennsylvania, I look at the Speedway, I look at the police force, I look at the fire department. My family has been in that fire department. My uncle is a lieutenant, my cousins, you know. When there's a fire, they're the first ones in there. 
So to me, to do something to benefit their fire department is very important to me. Whenever you show me something with first responders, you show me something with people that are good, honorable policemen, I get, I get choked up, okay, because I've known a lot of people I consider heroes like that. So I'm sitting at this fireman's dinner, and, you know, Earl's daughter Amanda obviously has some problems that most people wouldn't deal with with this dwarfism, and there's been a lot of things through the years that people have donated and helped out, made her life better, be it Make-A-Wish, you name it. I'm big on these charities. And uh, I'm sitting there watching Amanda playing these tickets, and she's good at it. Like, she's doing this math in her head, and I'm thinking, I looked at her, I said, that kid's winning every time. I said, I'll take her to Vegas. And we had a good time. We had a really good time. And here, a couple of weeks later, just stopped by, talking to my uncle and that. And um, we're all sitting there, and we left. And he got a call right after that that they had found Earl uh, dead. And my heart sank. Because there's certain people that uh, you don't want to see die. Earl was by far one of the finest people I've ever known in my life. And I mean that. So... I went to his funeral and I was deeply touched because the cemetery that he's buried in is uh, one that my family started, the church there, Beard Church. I actually have a uh, confirmation of my uh, great-great-grandfather in 1865 from that church. So it made me think a little bit here. When I'm talking about heroes of mine, donating my time, or more importantly, sort of donating all that uh, thought to raise money for people. In this day and age, it's not as easy as it used to be to find good charities. When I had Jessica's Candle, you had to be a legitimate legitimate. Legitimate charity. You couldn't just be somebody with a GoFundMe. These days there's too much of that. So I kind of got away from it a little bit and I said, you know, is this something I want to do? And I'm reminded of two people I want to talk about here, and it happens to do with ALS. Because one was a teacher of mine. The other was an undercover cop. The undercover cop one, I had this friend of mine. I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened with us. I consider her to be one of my best friends in the world. And, you know, people grow apart. They do. I don't like it. I wish 
Wish there was something I could do to. Yeah, I'm getting eaten up by mosquitoes here. <laughs> Windows open. Um, I wish there was something I could do to kind of reverse the clock or just change things. This friend I had was a really, really good friend, and I don't know if she became a cop or what, but I, I happened to see uh, she had posted for her birthday, like I'm going to do for mine for a different cause. She posted one for a similar, similar thing, and I like it. It was a bike run for the police and the fire department. And it's out in Lenexa, Kansas, I believe. I don't know. It's out that way. And when you're talking Kansas City, I've said before, my family has a big, deep personal connection to it historically. So it reminded me of this situation about my uh, uncle being a fireman, and, and, and I really liked the cause a lot. They're really good people, and I donated a good bit of money to them out of my, well, I donated money to them. And I, I really like that, and I bought a shirt of theirs, and I've been wearing it, wearing it right now, guns and hoses. It reminds me of the small town fire departments and police forces. So I, I was reading up on there, they have a calling of people that they're telling you to donate to that have these different, they're first responders, they might be firemen, they might be policemen, they might be somebody else. They're going through these, these parts of their lives that are detrimental and life-threatening and it touches you so deeply to read these stories. These are people putting their lives on the line every day of their life. And I'm the first one to say, I've ran into some cops that I didn't like that were really not nice to me, alright? But these aren't them. These are the people you call heroes. These are the people that, if you want to turn back the clock to the 1950s and see where the cop is your friend, these are the good guys. These are the boys in blue and the girls in blue. And one of them, right here, is uh, Sarah Nazar Olson. She's, when you see her, what strikes you is her smile. She's this blonde girl that was a bodybuilder from what I'm reading here. She is a cop, undercover cop, and she has a smile. And uh, the first thing I saw was her having ALS. Tough, tough girl, real tough person. She was on ABC News talking about just what she's gone through. And what you see in her face is hope. You see a survivor. You see somebody that's fighting a disease that uh, slowly takes away a lot of things that people have. And um, 
Yeah, every one of us is going to die one of these days. Every one of us. And we keep putting it way out in the future, you know. But when you're faced with a disease like that, and I know this from dealing with people with cancer like my dad, people like my older brother Mark, you get to see what a person or who they really are. Some people, some people become miserable and they get broken down by it. Other people, you see something in them and you say, wow, such strength, dignity, and damn that fight. So I see that in her. I've seen it also in another person I've known, and it's why it touched me so much. And I want to post a link, my whole point of this podcast, to both of these people, as far as I know, the charities you can donate to. I'll put guns and hoses, and I'll put uh, the one Scott uses. I never, I never knew about ALS, really, until Scott caught it. You know, you got to picture me in seventh grade. <laughs> I went through all that and went up to high school. I was in like eighth grade, ninth grade. I think it was tenth grade, actually. I'm in the big high school. So I go in and we're supposed to get to science class. I'm supposed to have this, this woman teacher. I don't know what her name is. It so happens she took a sabbatical. So we get this this teacher, Scott McGuire, and, and Scott is this tall, dark-haired, uh, goatee, you know, he's, he's the type of guy that all the girls were just like, wow, you know. I look to him and I'm like, oh, what's, what's this class going to be like? You know, because I've had so many teachers and I'm like, science is not my favorite class. But Scott made it fun, okay? Scott, every class I look forward to, he would make it interesting, be it doing specimens of bacteria, be it, you name it, every single thing, every day was fun. And he went out of his way to make sure you were learning something in a very fun way. Uh, he, he was... Scott was probably the, one of the most influential teachers I had among that list. Him, Tom Grote, a few others, that got me interested in science. And I went on to take a capstone course, which was going out and doing field research with him and Tom Grote, Mr. Harvey, uh, can't think of the other ones offhand. But what it did for me, and this is what Scott did. You, you know, you in high school, you're taking all these courses and you don't know how they're going to, you know, why am I taking calculus? Why am I taking chemistry? Why am I? They all tie together. And he showed you how it tied together. So I took him for a couple, I think it was two or three classes. It was always always fun.
his final the one year, they said we had everybody had to write a paper for every class that to do a final. So his, <laughs> Scott, if you're listening, this is something I've never forgotten. Because it always taught me what validity means when you're doing something. You know, to say that you have to do a final just to do it was ridiculous. But Scott made it fun. He made us watch Jurassic Park. We're all enjoying Jurassic Park. Then he has a list of things he wants us to think about. And they tied so much of what he went through the whole year on. It was brilliant. And just wanted you to write what you thought about how it all tied together. And I sat there and I thought to myself, wow. It's like a light bulb just went off. And I think I've followed that the rest of my life. I haven't always taken the easy road. I haven't taken the one where I make the most money. But I learned at that point. I wanted to be well, another reason because Scott and a couple other teachers liked my writing and they, they somehow they'd gotten copies and one of the teachers from the junior high came up one time and she said to me, Oh, you know, we're all fans of yours. When you publish something we're we're waiting for it and uh, I was kinda shocked. I was like, Well, how are they getting their hands on this stuff? Because I'd give it to Valerie and I guess stuff would, my writing would circulate. Or I'd be be in the journal. These people really stood by me for that. So I went into focusing on what I wanted to do as a writer. And much of my next book coming out is about the Little Hannah Creek, about the watershed, all this. I learned the most from these people, right? But Scott was the one. <laughs> he always made me realize that no matter what you're doing, if you have information, be a mentor. Don't be just know-it-all. You don't realize the value of that until you actually get into a situation on the job where you're not taught things. On my current job, I was kind of thrown on, on the floor like that too dealing with clients and it clicked with me there with my degree in psych that what Scott was teaching us was how to be an authentic human being that's what Scott was you know he wasn't letting us have an easy day off by not having to read read a paper and do this big research assignment he wanted us to be authentic And I saw that many years later in Scott. He, I hadn't heard about him. You know, I graduated and went on, and somebody said that he had ALS, this other teacher, that was a professor at the college, too. And I knew that they hadn't given Scott a position there, and this gentleman was on a school board. And I said, I said to the guy, I said, you know, uh, wouldn't it have been nice if you guys would have respected Scott then. Now, this is all water under the bridge. I'm not making this situation pointing it out. My point was that this was one of the best teachers I had, in my opinion. It's politics. It's politics with teaching positions. 
It wasn't anything about Scott. But the man wound up having a diagnosis of ALS. And we were all heartbroken. All of us from all these different years in school, we pushed to uh, try to do something. But, you know, what do you do? And time went on. And slowly Scott's body got to be where he couldn't walk, he couldn't talk on his own, he had to have a breathing apparatus. He's in this wheelchair. And he had a really bad caregiver. And this, this really upsets me. This really upsets me, and that's the point of why. Why I'm doing this podcast. They treated him like he wasn't a human being. And here was this man that gave so much to the people, stuck by this debilitating disease. And finally, finally he got a better caregiver. I don't remember the whole story, but he, uh, this, this new, new person, new people that are helping him out, they got him this computer that he can control with his eyes. So it can, much the same way that uh, the great physicist uh, Stephen Hawking had. It's a very expensive piece of equipment. And just his daily survival is expensive. But what it did for him was allow him to have more mobility, more freedom, the ability to communicate. And I go on one day, I'm playing poker on, uh, I forget the name of the poker game, but he's on there, and he's kicking my ass. <laughs> he took all my money. I'm like, Scott, that's awesome. <laughs> he's good, man. That guy's got, he has that poker face on a computer if there's such a thing. But he took all my money. And it made me feel good to see him have that ability. And lately the ability with this better wheelchair, better breathing support, and the ability to communicate. The man has had the disease for 20 years almost. He's a survivor and a fighter. I'll put any of your heroes up against that. That man right there, he is the toughest SOB on my list, okay? Because he, he faced this disease not giving up. He faced it with dignity. I don't think I don't think I could. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I don't I don't think I could. It shows a certain strength as a human being to do this. Scott McGuire is one of my heroes. He's like a brother, man. I tell you what, I was a student of his.
I consider myself a friend of his, and I look up to him. That was a loud car right there. I'm sorry about that. But, you know, Scott, Scott's a humble person. When you, when you see Scott, you have people, people worry about all kinds of garbage in their life. They worry about cars, phones, everything. Things he worries about, he needs to survive. And I'm praying they find a cure for this disease. So every dollar they donate, every dollar goes towards this, is important. And I've seen his fight. And it can happen to anybody. So, for my birthday this year, I want to really just take this day so far above August and talk about Scott McGuire. I want to talk about ALS. The Ice Bucket Challenge has become a, a thing that people post a video about. It's nice, and people do it, and raises a lot of money. It's wonderful. But this is 24-7 for these people. And the dignity they show with life. They have the same... Uh, how can I put it? They have the same look in their eyes my dad did when he found out he had cancer. He just... He said it with the last words he said to me, moment by moment. Most precious thing you have at the moment, the moment you're alive in. And I'm hoping for this Sarah Olson, this really wonderful girl, this undercover cop, this bodybuilder, this girl. If you watch this interview with her, you can't help be touched. I'm not pushing for her because I knew a girl in that, in that police force years ago growing up. The girl that I knew, we have our differences. I have no differences with her. She has, for some reason, her differences with me. There again is somebody I respect more than I can ever put into words. But this girl here... That I found about through this girl posting about this charity I'm touched by. It. And it points out the, the reason ALS has to be researched more. The funding has to be there. You, you can't just rely on federal funding. That's a very, very important thing. But federal funding and pharmaceutical funding are going to go to where money lies. And you overlook a lot of people. So I want to post for Sarah and for Scott links to uh, their charity here, their, where you can send them money, you can look into their cause. And I, I mean, sending them money is great, that's important, but follow them, follow their fight. Don't look at it, at it as some disease that's 
affecting them. Look at something they're living with. Look at, look at how they fight and have this dignity in their lives, this sense of what it is to be alive. They face every day not knowing how it's going to affect them tomorrow. And I think when you look at what it means to be alive, these, these are two people that know more than anybody. In the spiritual sense, it's very... It's very deep and profound what they've gained through this. And they live their lives with sacrifices too for others. What a person should be, you know. We we live in this world where every everything's about me, 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 me. And no, you know they've lived their whole lives about helping others, doing things for others. Here you got a school teacher, and here you got a cop. Two of the most thankless jobs you could get. But in so being, the most important influential jobs you'll ever find. So I'm going to post that link, and I thank you all for listening to the story about them and just some thoughts about them. And it all goes full circle, like with Earl and firemen's dinners and first responders. Take a look at uh, Guns and Hoses. In Kansas, take a look at the Jennerstown Fire Department, where I live. I'm from. Take a look at your local fire department, your local police force. See when they have a drive. You know, you have a problem. They're up at your house. They're out here. Be it something with the police, or be it with the fire department. They're right there, on call. And you don't realize these people are putting their lives in the line. So I encourage everybody to give to these two uh, charities I want to post, but also to uh, look into your own local area. Be engaged in it. Be kind and compassionate towards these people and support their causes because when the chips are down they got your back so alright them's my heroes <laughs> thank you all and God bless